Middle Worship. Uh, if you don't know, you can listen to the sermon again on I, uh, iTunes or Spotify. There'll be a motorcycle picture. It's called The Ramblings of Blair. If you know me well enough, that name just fits. Uh, so again, we're, we're here in Luke. Uh, we're going along, but just look at the uh, newsletter, and let me post in other places, upcoming sermons. i got sermons all the way through September, about the middle of September, on, on things we're dealing with in the church and stuff. So, But the lectionary has been good to me this year, uh, the fish writing going along, because this one is, I got the title of the sermon is, uh, The Sword. The Sword that Divides. The Sword that Divides is the Word of God. We live in a climate today, where it seems, and everybody here, you just watch the news. You know what I do with the news anymore? Fox News, CNN News, almost any other news? I just turn it off because it is depressing. I mean, I, 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 mean, I keep up with the news to read and, and some other things, online reading and, and different uh, magazines or newspapers, but just to sit there and the, the news is drone on and on and on. It's depressing. So I don't watch that anymore. I do it from time to time. But, uh, but so we go along, but we're in this climate of hate. We're in this climate of hate where if I say something and you don't agree with me, especially if you lean a little more to the left, it seems, all of a sudden I have turned offensive to you. Is it not? Well, most of us can agree with that. And so how do we deal with that? But here's great news, people. I got really good news about this climate we're living in. Number one, it's really always been there. When we read the scripture today, you're going to see it was from Jesus' time. Jesus did this at the beginning. And ever since Christianity has come from Jesus being born on, there has always been this division. And there's always been tension and wars and everything else. But the climate that we live in today, we've got to look around the world climate. It means because it says, the scriptures tell us, in the end times, this is the way it will be. In the end times, this is the, towards the end, before Jesus returns, this is the way it will be. And it's going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. That, why is that good news? Because for us who believe in Jesus, the rapture is quick, people. It's coming soon. I honestly believe that. Somebody says, well, what's your plan for 10 years to be in heaven? Because I think Jesus will be back before 10 years shows up. So moving on. That's just a personal thing there. Uh... Uh, chapter 12, verse 49. Chapter 49. Jesus talking to us here. I come, to, I come to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am until it's accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. From now on, five and one house will be divided, three against two, and two, two against three. Father will be divided against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, God. Getting mad at that. There we go. We're working on that. Uh, if you would just rattle on, it's not on a thing, 54... Jesus tells us after that, uh, Acts 50 says, Hypocrites, can you discern the face of the sky and the earth? Talks us about discerning the end times, the times that we're living in. And that's where we're at. And Jesus actually, in this thing, starts with an end times quote, and he backs up. He starts with an end times quote. Because he says, I, I, I come to send fire on the earth, how I wish it was already kindled. Fire is a double-edged sword. Have we heard that term before? Double-edged sword? 
fire is a double-edged sword because fire, fire uh, brings destruction, it brings division, it brings pain, it brings suffering. Uh, all there's a lot more with that. We'll keep it short. Fire brings purification, it brings warmth, it brings shelter, it brings safety, and it brings light. So what Jesus is telling us, what Jesus is telling us, saying that he has, he has wished to get with the fire was already here, so the purification process would start for us who are there. All of our works will go through the fire, and what comes out pure it will be there. And so he's coming the purification, the safety process, but for those who are not saved, for those who are not saved, pain and suffering is about to come upon the earth. Second Peter, Second Peter, uh, I got my notes here. Second Peter tells us that the world is reserved for fire. Back in Genesis, we heard the promise of the rainbow is that the world will never be flooded again. Why? Because there's a day coming where the world will burn up. This world will burn up. Uh, and the Bible says that that fire, that burning up process of the world, everything in the world will be destroyed, and then we get the new heaven and new earth. The new heaven and new earth. We read that in the Revelation. So Jesus is talking about Malachi was already kindled. Most like, most like, you know, this is the kind of the human side of Jesus. You got to go through a major surgery, and you're nervous and you're worried about. Man, I wish it was already done. I wish I already had it under the knife. I wish I was in the recovery process. You all know this feeling, right? Something major is coming up for the lawyer here, court day, you know, for the defendant. You know, he just wishes it was already over with, you know. And so, and that's what Jesus is saying. But Jesus, next thing said, but I have been baptized. I have a baptism to be baptized with. Well, what baptism? People need baptism with John Baptist. Baptism means to be immersed. Totally immersed the baptism. What is the baptism that he has to be baptized with? Anybody? Your sin. Think about that all of a sudden the baptizing that Jesus had to be totally immersed in is the sin of this world, which includes you and me. Jesus is telling us that before he sits there and says, I'm totally distressed. We see where he's in the garden. He's so distressed that, he, that actually blood started coming through his sweat pores. He's so distressed there. He says, I, I, I'm distressed until this is accomplished. This is the next thing that has to happen for salvation of the world that I must die for you and for me. He was talking about you and me. He was talking about those people there too, but he talked about us. He talked about our future children and stuff until he comes back again. But Jesus had to be immersed in your sin and in my sin. Just gather that real quick concept. We come to church, it's always a happy day and everything else, and we think about it. We really think about that somebody had to die for us so we could live and live more life more fully. Somebody had to die for us, and that die is God Himself in the form of Jesus. And so there's the baptism, He has to be baptized. He said, Do you suppose that I come to bring peace? I tell you, not at all. Rather, division. Jesus, since the beginning, Jesus, since the beginning, has brought division. In fact, He warns you, He warns us that the cost of discipleship will many times be division. In fact, in Luke chapter 12, verse 11, it says, when they arrest you, what? Man, I want to be 
be a Christian, I want to live that good life, I want to give a little money, I want to come to church, I want my prosperity gospel, write all these nice things, and life is just easy. If that's the Christianity that you're looking for, you look at the wrong place. Because Jesus says, actually, when you accept me, life could possibly get harder for you. And when they arrest you, don't worry about what you say, because I'll put the Holy Spirit in you, and you'll say the right thing. When they get ready to kill you, don't worry about it. You don't worry about the one that can kill the body. You don't worry about the one that can kill the soul, and that soul in the hell, that's Jesus. Don't worry about this life. Don't worry about the pain and suffering. This life, this life is so short. 80, 90, 100 years is so short compared to eternity. And there's going to be division. There was division back in Jesus' time. Think of Paul. I was reading Acts the other day. Think of Paul. All the things that happened to Paul. Uh, you know, he was stoned and left for dead. He was beaten. He was all these things. He was bit eventually, because he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, he was taken to Rome, where he would finally be beheaded for his face. Think of the Crusades. Go Hunter. Think of the Crusades. Look at the climate we are in today. You know, uh, there's a section of a, of a, I don't hate to bring politics up, but you've got to bring them up a little bit, okay? There is a uh, party that blames the church for most of the problems in the, in the country today. There's a party that brings most of the church, and sometimes it's both parties. They, they blame the church for a lot of their problems. Oh, those bigot people, those people over there, all this other stuff. Because you don't agree how I agree. And Tammy, the United Tammy spoke, it's kind of funny, in the newsletter a week before, two weeks ago, uh, in the newsletter, I actually read the newsletter, figure out how smart I really am, how smart Jessica really made me. And, and so I read the newsletter, run through it, and it has UMW in it. Oh, and, and Options Now is coming to be part of UMW. Man, I know somebody who works in the Options Now. My wife. So I call her and say, hey, do you all know you're coming to Lake Park? She says, yeah, I know that. That was been scheduled before I got before we knew we were coming here. And I am the speaker. And so there we were. Uh, and the UMW, we had a great time. It was a great time. So the ladies that could meet the UMW, it was a great time. And, and so there we are. And Tammy's, I said one way. I always say this one way. Tammy said another way that I really like. Uh, what side do you want? Are you pro-life or are you pro-choice? Are you uh, sexuality, the whole thing, homosexual, pro homosexual, or pro uh, married man or woman? How, how, do you, how do you deal with that? And that's the divisions in our society today, is it not? Well, how do you answer that question? Well, number one, hatred brings up hatred. Those people want us to respond to hatred to justify their hatred. So, how do we as Christians respond? I mean, I'm not talking about if your life's being threatened, your family's life being threatened, your home's life being all by all means defend yourself any way you But you just deal with people in and out. And I deal with this quite a bit in the ministry, different places I go along. And Tammy said, she says it better than I say. That's what's new there, though, right? Uh, what's the, what side do you want? I'm not on the Republican side, I'm not on the Democrat side, I'm not an independent. I am on God's side. What does the Word of God say about it? The way I always said it is, Scripture is authoritative. This book here, the Holy Bible, is the inerrant Word of God, written by the Holy Spirit, man, for several thousand years. It is true. 
It is true. All of it is true. When you find a mistake, and you will find a mistake in the Bible, it is not God's word that is mistaken. Let me bring that up. It is not God's word that is mistaken. It is in the translation from Hebrew or Greek to English. It all works together. It all works together. I have justified, I have studied and studied. I can now justify from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And when there is a big bit of going to add up, it is not the Word of God's fault. It's that you need to study more. And the Word of God is true. So I always say, my thing is, uh, and I had to deal with this the other day on the sexual identity. I was at another church, Methodist church, and Boy, the Methodist Church is there. You guys, some of you guys are just old, antiquated. You don't need to catch up with the times. You don't agree with all this. Blah, blah, blah. And so my thing was, I had my Bible with me. Show me, give me your point. Show me your in the Bible. Just much like a lawyer would do. Here's the law. Show me how you're right. They cannot. But I did I do it offensively? No, I did it with respect. Tammy says it a little better. What side do you want? I'm on God's side. Whoever the candidate is, or whatever the, the opposition is, whatever the problem is, I'm on the side of God's side. I'm not for a party, I'm on God's side. And that is the correct answer. I think that we can get back. You know, Scripture is the authority of my life. It's in Scripture. However, Scripture says it, that's how I believe. Or I'm on the side of God. Who best fits God? And how would God deal with that situation? How would God deal with that situation? I believe, again, I'm not talking about violence upon us. I'm just talking about major discussion or maybe protest. It's that we just, we, we interact with love. We interact with love. In Portland, Oregon, I guess this weekend, there was a big rally, big protest on both sides. Through Facebook, I know, the motorcycle crowd, a Christian motorcycle group showed up. And they kind of intermingled between both people, between the radical right and the radical left. Brought food, brought drinks, but no violence at all. No violence at all. Because all of a sudden, somebody comes in, yeah, we're going to stand on the Word of God, but we're going to stand on it in love. Hatred drives hatred. Think about this. I know, and of course it never happens at our house either, arguments in your house. We just go straight. Chris, we just talk quick marriage counseling. Sure he probably needs marriage counseling, doesn't he? And, uh, nobody else will hear, but Chris and I probably need this. But so, uh, going along, I was with this lady one time. We're at Morgan, fairly doing the ministry. We're at Morgan, and the neighbor across the street from us also a church. Member. We do fish fries over there. We did a lot of stuff. The whole church kind of gathers there. Believe it or not, there's a time that Tammy and I were kind of tit for tat with each other. And she said, Larry, would you like that argument to end? Man, would I ever give me the wisdom of the words I need to shut her up. <laughs> that was with the wisdom I got. She said, Larry, if you would shut up, the argument would end. If one of you would shut up and show love, what's the other person to do? It works in our marriage. It works in it works in our marriage. It works in our our, our dealings with other people that are different than us. Paul tells in the first, the first Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21, test all things against the word of God. Hey, I'm pro-life. Or I'm, I'm pro-choice, uh, pro abortion. Okay. Where does that fit into the word of God? I mean, that's an easy argument right there. If you're, now, you cannot hold non-Christians to the Christian standard. 
Uh, and that's just a whole other sermon or a whole other topic by itself. Uh, we go along there. But, and so a lot of people will say, well, let me just bring up the pro-life, because this guy came to you his Facebook page. He was a speaker at the banquet last year who was uh, uh, born because of a rape. He was born because of a rape and the mother gave him up for adoption. And so we've got to understand, because this is one of the arguments they have, it's just pro-life, even if it's homosexuality and everything else. If people will tell you, man, can you imagine having a child from rape? I mean, which is horrific. I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I'm horrific. But who is the author of life? Is it not God? Uh, the homosexuality, you all know where I'll stand on this real quick. Who is, what does the Bible say? What does the Word of God say? Oh, those two make your sons, right? What does the Bible say? And so we got to understand, but you know what? I got my son, my daughter, I got this, I got that, and I understand. I can empathize with you and even sympathize with you a lot of things in your pain. I, I can do it and I can pray with you. I understand where you're at. I understand your actions. But one thing you got to understand, and this is one thing that we got to start learning today, Scripture... The Word of God trumps emotions. That's not a play on President Trump at all. Uh, scripture trumps emotions. You may feel one way. Young couples, you got a high school couple that comes out, well, we're going to live together, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, because it just feels so right. I know, I know you know, I gave up a virginity to him because he said he loved me, and we're going to get married one day anyway. Scripture trumps Emotion. Follow the law of God before you follow what you feel in your heart. Because the devil will show up in your life. The devil will give you, oh man, it's okay. Back to Adam and Eve. Did he, God, really say that? Is he really going to deny you this pleasure of living together and all that stuff that goes along with young couples? Does he really want to deny, does he really want to save you from marriage? Really, come on, is God really saying that? Scripture trumps emotions. Man, I'm angry. Mary, I, I, I'm not a good marriage counselor. I'm not a certified counselor. I'm doing anything else. The counselor goes along, but I will, if you come to me for marriage counseling, let me just tell you how it's going to go up front real quick. Uh, I'm going to read Ephesians. I'm going to read Corinthians to you. Are you doing that? And this is the funny thing with a husband or wife. Well, I'll talk to people individually sometimes. You know what she did? I always talk about the guy that talk about the woman. You know what she did? I'm smarter than that. Uh, you know what she did? No, that's what the Bible says. Is that what you're doing? But you know what she did? This is what the Word of God said. No, no, you're not, you're not listening to me. She did this, so I'm doing this. Or I'm letting the other He's doing this, so I'm doing that. What does the Word of God say? The Word of God speaks to the husband, it speaks to the wife. It speaks to the children. Individually, as a husband, you got certain things to do. As a wife, you have certain things to do. As a child, you have certain things to do. It doesn't matter what the other one is doing. If you are married, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing as a husband? Or are you doing what you're supposed to be doing as a wife? The, what, what, you know what? He made me mad. How many kids we got? Okay, we'll keep it G-rated. How many kids? You know what? I'm not going to do that. What does the Bible say? Get into the Word of God with your marriage and see what the Bible says and ask yourself, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a husband or wife? You know, we, Tammy and I, and I just hate to admit this, we had marriage problems. We went to counseling one time. And it was because I get up early, she likes to sleep in. Anybody else like that? 
I don't drink coffee, she does. I am this excited waking up in the morning. I don't need coffee, all right? Uh, I just don't need it. This is just the way I am. Most of the time, if you're with me, I will chat your ear off. Tammy and I had to But so we're there in marriage counseling. This is a chat with Pence guy who's going along. And Tammy says, he's up early. He's reading the Bible. He's doing whatever else. Why can't when he gets up, just put the coffee pot on for me? But I'm not drinking coffee. Some man wants coffee. And the, and the chaplain says, well, Tammy, where does it say that in the Bible? And she flipped it open and said, well, it says right here. It says Hebrews. <laughs> yes, right, do 99% of the time, unless I get excited and forget and head off out the house before she wakes up. Every morning I, make, I get up, I do my own thing, I make coffee. And when she gets up, she has coffee in a cup of creamer in it, except when she does her morning devotions. Chris, I'll teach you. <laughs> but so I'm clear on this thing. But so on that is, I think it's fine Don't follow your emotion. Well, sometimes I'll be mad at the, uh, as whatever a tanning. You know what I go to do in the morning? I make coffee. Because God has told me to be a servant to my wife. And my wife to be a servant to me. That's the way it's a servant relationship. Uh, you know, another analogy on that, real quick. The other day, this is before I moved here. I was up at Tipton Harley Davidson, and, and they had a lot of uh, neat things. And there, were, there was a big show, big thing. And I knew a lot of the dealers. I go up there enough. I used to go up there enough that I knew all. I knew all these people with the motorcycle safety class there, and a couple other things. Well, it's, when somebody's coming in for a test ride, somebody has to ride with them. Well, they trusted me enough, and they said, "Hey, there. These couple of people want a test ride. We're too busy. We know you. We trust you." But you get on a bike and follow these people around. We have to pick about a two-mile block you can go. Sure, sure. Pick whatever bike you want to pick. Uh, I'm here in the park when I pick. So I picked up a 19, I mean, not 19, a 2015 Road Glide. GPS, PNC, grid, all the neat things. Man, nice bike. Cranked it up, rode around, the people followed me, rode back. And again, they never talked to the dealer. And one of the store manager comes to me. What you think, man, that's a nice bike. I like to have that bike. In the world we live in today, my life that feels good to me should be mine, should it not? What stopped me from taking that bike and sitting behind there and said, well, you know, I feel it, this feels right, it feels comfortable. You got a tall boy seat on it, man, it's a nice bike. What stopped me from just hopping on that bike and riding home? Because I don't want to call Andy out in jail <laughs> and say, hey, I stole a motorcycle <laughs> and they actually want it back. Uh, because the word of God says, do not steal. Don't worry about your emotion there. The word of God said, do not steal. And that seems like kind of crazy. Put that on a micro scale. Well, steal, we know that's wrong. Well, what else is wrong? And so we, we gotta learn, we gotta learn that tr scripture trumps our emotions. We all learn to trump our emotions. Uh, and so on that is, dealing with people that are not like us, or don't take the same way we do, how do we deal with them? That's the whole point of the service. We've got to deal with them in love. we just got to deal with them. Now, I'm not talking about if, if there are violence involved, protect yourself by all means. I'm not one of those people. Uh, slap me on the cheek and you're going to get a 45 or something. I mean, I'm, I'm just not one of those people, but if you're going to verbally insult me or something, I can defend myself from Scripture. And so this is the way. Let me close with this. This is the way we're to deal with this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. This is the address 
in which you need to live at. There's two addresses that need to live at, either Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, or Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And I'm, just, I'm not going to read the first 19, is about the world. I'm going to leave read. This is the address you need to live at. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with the passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Live in a way that you bring honor and glory to God in your job, in your personal life, in your marriage. Everywhere people see you, they see Christ. Eventually, some will come to Christ because of you. Let us pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to this, Lord, teach us to be like you. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand and join us in our closing song.
walk from here as holy and righteous people. Lord, let us live a life for you. That every breath we take, we take that breath for you, Lord. And Lord, that when we're out in the world, when we're out in the world where Satan can see us and all the other things going on, they know that that one belongs to Jesus. And Lord, let those who do not belong to you come to us. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit with great excitement.